0: Why, hey there. Today on the show, we are going to be talking about whether your ergonomic services is something that falls under health information privacy. And then, what are some simple things that you can do right now to avoid the risks, protect yourself, protect your business, and protect your clients' health information? Let's do this. Welcome to the Business of Ergonomics Podcast. I'm your host, Darcy Jeremy. I'm a board-certified professional ergonomist with over 15 years of experience delivering ergonomics programs to employers of all different types. In this podcast, I share what other healthcare professionals are already doing and being with ergonomics assessments and how to land those clients that you dream of. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode right now. There's nothing as polarizing as the discussion to which ergonomics consultants have to whether or not we fall within the boundaries of health information privacy. If you agree or disagree with it, that is totally cool, but I want you to listen to the insights with our guest today, Joe Lindsay. I've known Joe Lindsay for years. Not only am I married to him, but he is a huge partner in my business Ergonomics Help and developing the technology that we have to serve ergonomics consultants. One of the biggest ones that we have is the infographic white labeler in the Accelerate program. So it's been really cool to develop that program and share it with ergonomics professionals. So Joe has a really dynamic, unique background, which makes him a really good source of information. Not only has he developed an electronic medical record, and not only has he worked in clinical studies where research and the protection of client information has been of utmost importance, he's also worked for companies and Currently provides his expertise with consulting and medical related software programs. So there is no better person to bring on the show today than Joe to talk about health information privacy and whether or not it relates to us as ergonomics consultants. Joe, I really want to shout you out for being on the podcast today and making the commute here because, as you just mentioned, This is our very first in-person podcast, so I want to give you not a Wi-Fi, but a high-five.
1: Well, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Joe, one of the reasons why I'm so pumped that you're here, for everyone that knows already, I mentioned this in in the description for today's interview, Joe and I are married, and we're also partners in Ergonomics Health. The really neat thing that Joe brings to the table and one of the reasons why I wanted to bring him here on the interview today is that he has this valuable insight about technology, health information, and what's coming down the tubes that we need to be aware of for ergonomics. So one of the things I want to talk about first is health information. Health information, ergonomics, protecting yourself, protecting your clients. One of the big things that I heard for years and years is that ergonomics assessments don't fall into the scope of what health information privacy is and if you're in the United States it's HIPAA and if you're in Canada it's PIPIPA. I was always on the fence with that because health information and ergonomics it does to me have something in common and that is when you're dealing with that individual, that unique person. Can you shine a light on why ergonomics consultants should be putting together some safeguards about health information and whether or not we actually qualify to be under health information protection for ourselves and our clients?
1: Sure. Um, I'm not a lawyer, but I I deal with this every day. I mean, in health technology, health software development, I'm a I'm a software engineer, but I've worked in clinical trials for years and years built many different EMRs, that sort of thing. Worked in hospitals, Canada, but also with hospitals all across the U.S. internationally for years. So this is like a day-to-day thing for me. But just for any listeners out there, absolutely not legal advice or anything like. To me and in my experience, and I've been through a lot of different situations where information was compromised... Health information is classified, in my experience, anyway, as health information when there's an as a situation when there's an issue. Obviously, information collected in a hospital or in a, a doctor's office, dentist, whatever, of course, that's health information. But anything pertaining to someone's health is health information. I mean, health information is just information about someone's health, <laughs> right, right? Right. If that ends up in someone else's hands that it shouldn't be, that's a breach of privacy of someone's health. I argue often when it gets sort of when it gets down that technical of well it doesn't apply to me or just because there isn't some sort of like hard set rule or just because you might think you're in a different category doesn't mean it's it's okay put somebody at risk so yeah i just think any information that you deal with on a day-to-day must be protected
0: there is one specific example you share with us that makes it crystal clear that yeah what we do should fall into this as well you know what i'm talking about right? With
1: the formula? Oh, well, yeah, I mean, this is a, this is very, has been very common in many different hospitals. It has sort of commonly happened where in, in hospital staff that have access to information, it could be just someone that works in IT, it could be someone that's a health, that's an actual healthcare provider, has taken the information of newborn mothers and sold that to baby formula companies. So you get home from the hospital and all of a sudden you've got free samples of baby formula waiting for you. It's just come in the mail. Well, how did they know? Well, somebody sold it to them, exactly. right? And um, so that one's an obvious, a very obvious breach. Mm-hmm. Um, it's happened, I don't know how many, you know, countless times.
0: They're using it as marketing to profit through your 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 hospital stay and the fact that they have that information
1: about you. Could have you know a survey for discomfort survey. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just flip that around, actually. You, so say, I like to think about it, and, you know, and we've spoken about this mm-hmm. for ergonomics help, for instance. Mm-hmm. Say you're a consultant and you are at a university. Um, so there's a lot of clients. And um, you accidentally expose a bunch of information, and that information gets in the hands of a manufacturer of, of office equipment. Well, it's really, really perfect to start targeting somebody with, and this is a very basic example, of course, but target somebody for that particular equipment. So just because they, you know, they know that you have some sort of a discomfort. Well, that is a big deal to me. Mm -hmm. If that happened to me personally, I would be pretty upset. I would feel violated. And in all honesty, I would consider, um, you know, I would, I would consider my options really because I would, I would assume whoever made, whether it was a mistake or they did it on purpose should be held accountable for
0: my head would jump that my employer um sent this information out or there was a leak and it will affect my employability with this current employer or down the road if if people know that i have a back injury how employable am i going to be i totally agree whether big or small there is a way that a company can benefit via marketing off this information
1: Yeah. I agree, and I think it's a, I think it's a bigger thing, you know, way too cavalier with how we deal with our own for information or just information in general. And now we use the technology. And so it's just a matter of often as a society doing your due diligence, whether it's about yourself or someone else, I think it's just good practice to really consider how you're sharing that information. Are you using secure websites? Are you using secure services? Are you passing, you know, information that's sensitive about you or someone else, whether it's health information or not? into a place that could expose someone you or someone else we really need to be thinking about i mean you don't just step out in front of traffic we look we look both ways you know you don't pass your personal health information to a stranger to walk it down a few blocks to the destination no you would maybe think of a secure way that you could mail that or courier It's no different in technology now gotcha a lot of violations every day
0: that was the perfect segue yeah. What types of methods, processes or safeguards that you think like on a very high level to get started with this, would you recommend for ergonomics consultants to look into?
1: Sure. Yeah. There, I'm, this is a bit of a tough one because there's it's overwhelming, right? There's just so many. So many. Yeah. Um, but that's a good thing. There are a lot of options for you. And whatever one feels the best is going to be the right one. But some key things to look for are compliance with laws like uh, in the United States, compliance with HIPAA. Essentially, if you're almost anywhere, the solution or the service you're going to use, it seems like it might fit your business um, or your practice. They follow HIPAA and they offer what's called a, a BAA, a business associates agreement. You know, you, you're pretty good, right? You know, you're pretty good right there. May not directly apply to whatever country you're in so you you still want to look for that but yeah just in general compliance with with international privacy laws and if there's an ability to actually flip a switch even pay more you should probably be paying a little bit extra for it because there's a lot um, there's a lot of reporting requirements if there were any type of a, a breach other requirements to you as the, the sort of as the customer using the service but also to anyone that could have been impacted that'd be the responsibility of of the, you know, who was the the custodian of your data. So, okay. Yeah. So it's called a business associates. It's an agreement that was formalized under HIPAA in the United States and essentially really simple terms. Um, the, the service provider is agreeing to you to adhere to those laws and to adhere to the reporting requirements if something was to happen. So you know, that's extra monitoring of servers for breaches. Um, that's extra logging for, uh, you know, auditing who has access, when did they access, that sort of thing, you know, what time. And uh, then if something were to happen, what was the mechanism of of the security breach? Where did the data go? Who do they think it was? On and on. And then, con- you know, in contact with the organizations in the government, law enforcement, whatever is required.
0: Okay. So, Okay, so you're saying, look for BAA compliance in whatever software that you use or applications that you use in the day-to-day. Can we dive a little bit deeper into that? Sure. Is there specific companies out there that can help you send files to customers that are already okay? Do you know any off the top of your head?
1: Yeah, uh, virtually any file sharing, you know, big file sharing service. Okay. Uh, will offer these types of agreements too. So Google, Microsoft, so Google's former G Suite works, Google Workspace, I guess it's called now, you know, Office 365, you know, Dropbox, they do offer secure storage. I mean, they are secure services. It's just, this is doing your due diligence to make sure that they are, they, they've legally agreed with you to adhere to those laws as well.
0: Right. Right. So
1: again, regardless if you believe that you are are to be held under that account under the law, to me is irrelevant. A lawyer may say different, but to me, going that extra mile is due diligence. And that's how I would personally expect my data to be treated. So why not just do the tiny little bit extra of flicking a button? Maybe it's a a couple extra dollars if that really matters to you at the end of the day, you know what I mean? There's, I it, you know, it seems like something that's very much worthwhile to, to invest a couple extra bucks in. Yeah. So it's like a lock on your door, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to lock your door at night. Uh, I should, yeah, we, we probably should, <laughs> <Yeah>. but
0: <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm no way a technology whiz. And I know some of my, my listeners were thinking the same questions that I'm about to ask. So does this as simple as, Going into your G suite and this is something that you have to pay for this is like the professional version so it's not john doe at gmail dot com it's John doe at ergonomics dot com something like that that that's the first
1: part of it so right with the goo i you know, this would be you know you'll have to sort of look this up and it's been a while since I've had to do this because you know as a leader of of other companies you have teams to do it you just make sure it happens unless they've changed it in saying in a solution like google or uh, like Google's solution or Microsoft solution, you essentially just, once you're onto the paid tier of their offering, it's essentially just a checkbox. It's a little more than that. You actually get a legal agreement, that full legal document, which Google sp- spells out that they're, they're engaging in a BAA with you, they'll follow the law. And the checkbox you click is your side of a, a signature, a digital signature. And they've essentially digitally signed as well. And there you go. Okay. Off. It's very to be painless. Some, but some services. I think Google they used to anyway offer it. Just any paid tier. It doesn't happen automatically. You have to actually sort of click right. the box. But off you go. Okay. You just have to go into the, you know, do a quick search on your favorite search engine and find just how you engage it. But it's usually very quick. Some services will charge you a little extra.
0: And that's a huge tip, given the folks who are listening to this right now, to know that. This is a thing that you need to be aware of. There's a simple fix available. If you don't use G Suite, that's cool. There's other resources available that you can look into that would be compliant with sharing protected health information over the internet. There's multiple ways to do this. It's 2023.
1: Yeah. I mean, and if you're very technical and maybe listen to this and say, well, I don't need a BAA. I mean, I can do this myself. Yeah, you can do it yourself. You can absolutely do this yourself and set everything up yourself just to make sure that your information is secure. But for the general person that isn't technical, that would be the best advice. Or if you want to be able to just pass that, almost pass the liability in some ways off for that, you know, for secure storage, then that would be the way to go.
0: There's one more thing I want to ask you about with this whole world of Protection for our clients and ourselves. And it comes down to consent. Mm -hmm. The way I like to think of this, it's like the internal responsibility system for workers' compensation, meaning that the employer has their own role to prevent injuries, but that person themselves has their own role to prevent themselves getting injured. That employee should have a role in deciding whether or not they want to move forward with. An ergonomics assessment, an ergonomics survey, a discomfort survey. And this goes into one of my favorite types of offerings. This is involving a discomfort survey. So, a discomfort survey is usually handed out before you go in to do an ergonomics assessment, or it's used to figure out the priority of pain and discomfort for a large organization so you can make sure you're only looking at the highest red flag areas. Can you talk a bit, and I hope I'm clear with that question, how consent plays a role in this and how that's the first part?
1: That's a hard question. Um, consent is a hard question. I mean, I, I come from a, a long part of my career being in clinical, clinical research, clinical trials. I, yeah, I'm a really strong believer in, in direct consent when someone's giving information about themselves to know what that information is going to be used for. Exactly um mm-hmm. how you're going to use it, who you're going to share it with how would we be how it would be stored those are actually things that i um I became very very sensitive to once I learned about uh the meanings of you know of uh good clinical practice or um you know the rules of the tri council for research ethics. those ethical considerations are big in this case it's a really tough one because. Your employer, the employer probably, employer's probably paying for these. They want to know what's going on. I just think you'd have to, you have to be very careful in and thoughtful on your method of collecting the data on a survey and ensuring that you're, you can be as direct and forward with people about what you're doing with the information without having to have like a multi page consent form or something like that. Cause there's obviously implied consent when someone mm-hmm. is giving you the information or filling it out themselves. Yeah, that's makes it very, makes it really gray to me.
0: That's really interesting because there are members of the Accelerate program that actually have consent forms.
1: Yeah, I highly agree. It was painful in clinical research and it scares people away in research. And anyone out there that's done graduate school or works in, the, in, the, in medical research in any way knows that a long consent form, if you have a, a difficult research ethics board, can make it really almost scare people away when they see the consent form, because they feel like they're signing something more. But um, I think it, I really do think it's a good idea. Anything you can do to reassure people that you're doing your due diligence, but also protecting yourself it makes perfect sense.
0: And that's something that I didn't even plan on talking about today, consent forms yeah. and implied consent. But again, if we want to be doing our due diligence, not only to make it as easy as possible for what we're doing, but protect ourselves for future ergonomics consultant how can that possibly bite you in the butt so i'm glad i'm glad that we actually went down here so we talked about so much goodies here for (laughs) health, health information particular applications and software to consider using and then how to protect yourself with consent and whether or not you want to decide to Add this extra step. I mean, you do it once. You talk to a lawyer. You get that consent form figured out. It's in both of your best interests. And you have that attached to that discomfort survey or, I guess, ergonomics assessment too. Yeah. And then you can really be confident that you're protecting yourself and your business.
1: That's- and just to call out what you just said, it really, again, like this is a professional opinion, but the talking to a lawyer, I know it can be scary because... Uh, lawyers have the stereotype of being very expensive, but they often <laughs> usually are. But it's usually a really good idea to get advice for these sorts of things, but also to get something done professionally because you might seem like it will cost an arm and a leg. It won't because they do these things all the time, especially if you just do a little bit of research to know that you're going to the right lawyer beforehand. It's not like it's going to really cost you a lot of money to do something that's sort of, at least just to get advice. It doesn't mean, you don't mean they have to just sort of draft something up, but just to give you just to give you an opinion, so right. that it's not not people who have experience, but people out in the industry. It should be someone that's a direct expert to give you that advice, I think.
0: Right. Regarding costs, you can always do your due diligence, mock something up based on what you find on the internet, bring it to the lawyer, yeah. and then the lawyer can edit it instead of developing it.
1: Yeah, show up prepared, exactly.
0: Okay, thanks so much, Joe, for this interview. We're going to close this off because there's going to be a two part interview. The next part, we're going to be talking about artificial intelligence for ergonomics. So hold on to your hats because that's going to be coming up next week. Thanks again, Joe, for hanging out today and sharing your expertise. My pleasure. What a great episode. So, my friend, I got to ask you straight up Does this episode change how you consider health information? your business? Are you going to be looking at different methods to protect your information? Or maybe are you going to be looking at consent and something that you get done with a lawyer once and you can reuse for the rest of your business and career? What do you think about this? Be sure to let me know. You can send me an email at support at ergonomicshelp.com. You can reach out to me on my Facebook group, uh, the ergonomics community hosted by Darcy Jeremy. I want to know, Does this change how you go about your business? Next week, you're going to be hearing an episode about artificial intelligence. We're going to talk about how the ergonomics industry is going to be fundamentally changed in the years to come and what you can do today to make sure that you can still provide your expertise in the future. It's going to be a really good one, and I know this to be true because... We already recorded it. (laughs) Have a great day, and I'm looking forward to see your comments about this episode. Cheers. You can get started with office ergonomics assessments today. Healthcare professionals are seeing the potential and opportunity to add office ergonomics assessments to their practice and services. Go to ergonomicshelp.com slash begin to get the exact seven-step process that works so that you can get started today without the confusion or overwhelm. Just head to ergonomicshelp.com slash begin now.